I'm Trevor Jackson, and welcome to Tomorrow Is Mine. Rachna Chandarana grew up with a fascination for technology and computers. From an early age, she began learning numerous programming languages and held a deep interest in the way technology works. By the time Rachna finished high school, she decided that she wanted to pursue her tertiary education overseas. She left her home city of Rajkot in India to study information technology, majoring in network and security at Griffith University on the Gold Coast. Rachna recently participated in Study Gold Coast Kickstart program, an initiative that helps first-year graduates develop their professional skills to help them fast-track their careers and deliver better productivity outcomes for their employers. Rachna says that Kickstart helped her to gain skills like presentation, time management, developing her personal brand, budgeting, and most importantly, it gave her the opportunity to be in an environment where she could openly share her views and network with other graduates from Gold Coast businesses. Since graduating from Griffith, Rachna gained employment as a member of the cybersecurity team at Gold Coast Airport. But what happens when a cybersecurity expert realizes her phone has been eavesdropping on our conversation while we were recording this podcast? Stay listening to find out, but don't mention it to your device. So, Rachna, welcome to Tomorrow Is Mine. You came to Australia somewhat quite young on your own. You weren't even 18 when you came here to study your bachelor's degree in information technology. That's unusual for Indian students. Usually they come to do a master's. Why did you want to come here to do a degree? So I had planned for my bachelor's to do in Australia because after completing my high school, I was looking for which place should I go to study, which would be better for me to study like information technology. And um, then I was uh, looking for um, like places outside India. And I felt um, that Australia was the best place for me because I really liked Griffith University. And uh, it was providing the degree which, was, which I was interested in. And I liked the campus. But you couldn't know what the campus was like when you're in India, so you must have done quite a bit of research. Yeah. So I checked like all the videos of class students, and I checked Griffith's map as well. Actually, <laughs> um, what facilities are available and what student services they offer. Yeah, that seemed to be a big thing for you, didn't it? Student services, like for instance, Griffith Mates program, and there's also an international buddy program too. How does the international buddy program work? So I just got like uh, two sessions to be uh, included with um, uh, international buddy program. So it was like students who are already studying here and are local like domestic students. They spend time more with international students to show things around and about talk about culture in Australia. A good experience. <laughs> How did your parents feel about you leaving India at such a young age, not even 18 yet, to come halfway across the world to study here? Um, so they were happy for me, of course, <laughs> but they were uh, feeling like I'm going really far from them. But we knew that we'll always be in touch, like video calls and stuff. I'll always go back to India. So they were happy for me to start a new life. <laughs> 
Yeah, technology certainly makes it easier. And given your interest in technology, I'm sure if anyone could make that happen, it would be you. Have you always been interested in technology? Um, yes. So technology and computers always fascinate me. When I was in school, I was doing uh, more courses like programming and stuff. So I came to realize that how technology has changed like before and now and what wonders it can do. And why cybersecurity in particular? Because you majored in that. Why did that appeal to you particularly? Cybersecurity is basically, I feel like I really wanted to learn more about ethical hacking and stuff. So if something goes wrong, I would love to investigate of what went wrong. So that is something I was always interested in. Were you a bit of a nerdy kind of girl at school then uh, when you're getting right into technology and computers? A little bit. <laughs> uh, back in India, I wasn't. Then I changed, I don't know, I changed myself. Yeah, you, became, you just became increasingly interested. But technology wasn't the only career you ever considered, was it? Um, no. So in my childhood, I was interested in pursuing aeronautical engineer. Yeah, right. To become a pilot. Like, I wanted to have commercial pilot license. Wow. So why did, why did that dream change? Why did you suddenly decide that that wasn't going to be your career? That just changed because... While I was doing programming and stuff in my school, it interested me more that how writing some code lines, can, you can create a website or a calculator or a banking system. Okay, and you just got more and more interested in IT. Okay, so tell me about Rajkot, your hometown. It's a pretty big city, I think, about 1.8 million people. Tell me about it. What's it like there? So Rajkot in our Indian slang is called Rangilu Rajkot. That means colourful Rajkot. And it is just known for its like culture, festivals, traditional dance, that is Garpa. And food especially. But you could say that about just about any Indian city, couldn't you? Like, you know, famous for its culture, its food, its festivals. I mean, it's like, yeah, really. That's true. But um, especially Gujarat, we are known for, like, businesses. There's a thing in India which say that Gujarati people are always into business. So that is something maybe not common for other states. <laughs> okay. Are you a very business-orientated person? Is that part of who you are? At times, yes. Right. But that's what more like my parents are. Okay. What do your parents do? Um, my parents have a business and uh, it's for like machine tools and stuff. Okay. And you have a sibling? You have a younger sister? Yes. I have a younger sister and she's like my baby sister. <laughs> yeah. It's like... We always do everything together and we grew up together. Except for the last few years since you've been here. And how much younger than you is she? Um, she's six years younger than me. But you're still quite close. We are really close. Tell me about your life growing up in Rajkot. What kind of life did you have there? Um, so my childhood was great. I had a very supporting family and I was always being loved. And um, there were like my best memories are during my school holidays when we travel like with family, like road trips and stuff. Um, also during my school, I was engaged for like two years for NCC camps. So NCC is National Cadet Corps. It's like a youth wing for Indian Army. Ah, right. There I got like basic uh, training for parades 
rifle shooting and stuff. Is that mandatory or did you elect to do that? It's like volunteer thing, available for all schools and I opted for it. Yeah, really? How was that experience? Did you enjoy that? It was great. It was difficult at that time because you need to wake up at like 5 o'clock in the morning and go for a run and like too much of hard work. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I'm just thinking of where Rajkot is because it's on the western side of India. Isn't it really not that far from the Pakistani border? They didn't want to send you up to the border, did they, for border patrol or anything like that? There have times been uh, cases like Pakistanis come inside the border and stuff. Okay. You mentioned that growing up you did a lot of road trips with your family, family holidays, and India's a, a massive country. But even just locally where you are, you don't have to travel too far to see the only free-roaming Asiatic lions, for instance, or or there's the White Desert, I think, not very far d- from you. North of Gujarat, there is White Desert. Yeah, which looks like something out of Africa. It's amazing, isn't it? It just seems like an incredible part of the world. Did you see a lot of your immediate area or were you travelling right across India? Were you going right up in the far north in the Himalayas or what did you see? Usually we go north, like we travel north, uh, where Ganga River is and Himalayas and stuff. So some, at times we go towards like Mumbai. I haven't been in a southern states of India. Which are far more tropical and humid. When you're going north and you're going to the Ganges or the Himalayas, it's a pilgrimage for many Indians. Are your family very spiritual, very religious? Or is that, was that part of the reason for going there? Um, two reasons for there, to go there. One is the beauty. Like, uh, north, northern states are really beautiful, like mountains, rivers, and the climate, of course. And my parents are also into meditation and spiritual stuff. So there are many meditation camps nearby the Ganga River. They'll be into meditation that time. <laughs> nice. Okay. When you were making the decision to come here and your parents, as you said, supported you, You've come all the way across to this side of the world, to Australia, and you stayed with a homestay family. Did that make the transition easier for you? Yes. So when I came, I was 17. So I had to stay with a home, in homestay with an Australian lady. And she was really friendly and supportive, which she made me feel like I'm in my home. And yes, yeah, so it was a great experience with her. Did you get a sense of that's what it was like to live in Australia, in a house like that? I got that, um, like I understood how Australian culture is, because in my first week we started baking cupcakes, <laughs> like um, walking down to the beach. And yeah, yeah, so she showed you how to make cupcakes, yeah. And how quickly did you adjust to that, and, and what were your impressions of that, Are very different to life in India? Life in India is different than what I experienced here. Um, it is, I like both of them of course, um, but when I came here, it was a different culture for me, like food, language, um, like I never speak English back in India much. Although you learn English when you're at school, so yes, you can speak it proficiently, yes. Like not compulsory to speak in school as well. Yes. So yes, so that was different here. Um, But as I came here and started making more friends and university has like a diverse culture, I got, I felt like I'm part of this herd now. (laughs) It is a very diverse culture here. Did that surprise you coming from Rajkot to this part of the world and how many different nationalities are here on the Gold Coast and studying here? Yes, so uh, back in Rajkot, 
I've always like seen only Gujarati people there. <laughs> so it was different, but I really liked it because you get to know people from around the world. They share their stories with you, their experience. So yeah. Did you have to push yourself a little bit to meet other people or did you find it easy? Did that come natural to you? Because I know some students can be a little bit shy and particularly being so young, not even 18 years of age and having to acclimatise. So, yes, I was shy before. and um, But during uni and the events I participated in, that helped me to come out of my comfort zone and get to know more people. So then it was easier. So do you think this experience has changed you in a positive way? It has definitely changed me. I was really shy and quiet person before, but I feel that I'm changing in good way, day by day. Yeah. You mentioned that you've been home a few times, uh, not so recently with COVID, but have your parents noticed, or your sister noticed a change in you when you've gone back, and have they commented on that? Yes. Um, when I went there, they just like hugged me and said that we are so proud of you, and they just feel that whatever I'm doing here, it's just all right, and that's how they want to see my life growing into. They're obviously taking comfort from the fact that you're happy here and that you, you've had a very good experience, but still very difficult. You must miss them a lot. Yes, I do miss them, especially my sister. I could really, really see her height growing up. <laughs> so that was, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a trade-off. Have you made good friends since you've been here? Oh, uh, yes. I've made many friends and they're like my family now. That too from like different parts of the world, like Africa, Philippines, quite a few Indians as well. I've spoken to students and Indian students who've come here and said, I'm purposely going to avoid hanging out with Indian students. I want to meet other students. I want to meet Aussies. I want to meet people from Africa or Sweden or America or wherever it is because I want to get to know them. I want to have that experience. Is that been the case for you? Yes, that was my thinking as well, um, that I wanted to meet people from like other parts of the world. Like, Of course, I'll talk with Indians and be with them. Um, but I wanted to know other people. Would you have not had that kind of opportunity in Rajkot, for instance? Would you not have met so many people from other parts of the world if you'd, say, gone to university there, do you think? Uh, yes, I do think so. Um, I've only seen, like, two French people in my life back in India. <laughs> that too, and I was... Um, because we had, like, exchange student program in our school. But other than that, um, I would never have met so many different people. And do you think that's broadened your horizons from, from getting to know them and their culture? Yes, definitely. Um, meeting new people helps me to grow as well and understand how everybody's life are and their experiences are. When you came here, you also elected to do some volunteering. What kind of volunteering did you get involved in? When I'm not working or in my free time, I always love to do volunteer work. So I... Uh, volunteered for Cancer Council's Daffodil Day. It was like a fundraising... Uh, for cancer research, yes. Um, also, I volunteered for Colour competition. This is one of the interesting things about international students. So many that I've met don't come here just to study. They want to engage in the wider community and volunteering is a common way that they do that. Which is really interesting. Were a lot of other international students doing that with you when you were volunteering? Yes. So few events where I volunteered, I found mostly people from other nationalities. <laughs> uh, 
um, but a cancer council one uh, that was mainly Australians. What did you take away from those experiences by volunteering here? Those experiences helped me to uh, meet new people and learn how, like, just get more experience into real life work. When you graduated, which is what? 18 months ago now, or a little bit longer, two years ago now, you undertook another course, some further training. What did you do? So I uh, pursued a professional year program from Australian Computer Society. So that program is just to develop your professional and soft, soft skills. So I learned um, how to present yourself and there were many activities like role plays and how to write and write and read well. And do you think that it gave you a better understanding of Western business culture? Yes, it did because like the way companies and the businesses are in India, that's quite different to what it is here. Like what I learned here is how um, how to behave well in like Australian environment kind of. Do you think that undertaking that professional training gave you an advantage to in securing your job at Queensland airports? Uh, yes. So from my um, professional year program, I learned how to perform well in interviews and how to write resume and stuff. So that surely helped me. So tell me about working at Gold Coast Airport. You're working in cybersecurity there. What kind of things are you doing there? Um, so uh, being a cybersecurity graduate, I'm... Uh, running a cyber awareness program where we need to uh, send out phishing campaigns, online cyber trainings and stuff for the staff. Also, I am first point of contact for security operations center and um, I conduct monthly uh, audits for internal and external access reviews. And you're based at Gold Coast Airport, but you're working for Queensland Airports Limited, and they have airports right across Queensland. So you're also looking after other regional airports as well? Yes. So we have like four airports. One is Gold Coast, Townsville, Mount Isa, and Longreach. So I am looking for cybersecurity for across all the airports. Right. With the exception of Townsville, the other airports you mentioned wouldn't be quite so busy. Uh, Townsville does get some international traffic, but Gold Coast is normally a very busy airport too. So how much of it is, I don't want to say a threat, but how much of it is an issue in terms of cybersecurity for an organisation like that? So we have, before running the cyber awareness programs, like we have seen quite a few cyber activities going on like um, logging in from different countries and stuff like that. But now as uh, the staff are more aware of what to click on, like which links to click on and what to look out for, so that has made to improve the quality cybersecurity culture more. When you've got a, a large workforce distributed across numerous locations, it seems to me as though your job is more about educating employees and ensuring that they're safeguarding against potential cyber threats more than anything else? Would that be right? Yes. So it is more about educating the staff and so they know how to keep their work as well as their home environment safer. You recently completed a project in uh, cybersecurity for Queensland airports. What was that? Um, so that project's name is called Cyber Awareness Program. In short, I like to call it as QCAT. Um, it, is, it was a six-month project 
which included phishing campaigns, online cyber trainings, and sending out newsletters with all the tips to safeguard themselves. And how successful was that? What kind of results did you get from that? Um, it helped to improve quality cybersecurity culture, reduce threats and risk, and now staff is more aware of how to keep their work and home environment safe. So we have seen a result, like the last result for the phishing campaign was that there was only one click on a malicious link oh. improved drastically. Let me go into a little bit about your work that you've done there and some of the threats that you see in terms of um, cyber security because it's an issue that's talked about a lot now. The Australian government, for instance, has been talking about investing more in cyber security across the nation. What are the issues that are facing particularly large organisations that are trying to deal with those potential threats? The most uh, trending cyber security problems nowadays are related to like artificial intelligence which is taking an increasing role so now instead of nations um, fighting with each other it's like more of the fight is between attackers fishers data thieves and cybersecurity experts so that has changed how um, cybersecurity affects in defense as well and supports how cyber criminals work as well. Okay. I asked you <laughs> this question. Um, with cybersecurity, one of the big technology growth areas of the future and what you saw as the most pressing problems that we face now. And one of the responses was political and economic interference leading to increased security threats. So does that suggest that governments should stay out of cybersecurity? <laughs> um, not in the defense perspective, but... There are cyber threats, like cyber attacks going on where some countries might tr try to harm other countries or show superiority in terms of cyber attacks. As we become more sophisticated with technology though, how problematic is it for us, like mere mortals like me who don't understand IT in that greater detail, in terms of the gap between the knowledge of what we need to know as everyday users, because we're all plugged into that space, but very few of us have a, a real understanding of the potential threats and what we should be doing. Uh, I have like a, a simple list of cyber hygiene 101. Cyber hygiene, is that what you call it? Yeah. <laughs> That's cute, okay. That's something which everybody should know. It's mainly that you should have a strong, unique password for each application and devices. Can I pull you up on that? Here's the thing, right? Every time you go into a new site, they want you to register, you've got to create a password, or you download an app and you've got to have a password for that. You can't have unique passwords for every single different thing that you're going into. Like, I, I know that people say this, and yeah, make it really complicated so no one can guess it, but then it's like so complicated that I can't guess it. I'm going to make up some ridiculously long and complex password and then I'll never remember what it is again. So give me a practical tip of how us mere mortals who don't really understand cyber technology, and in particular cyber security, how we can do that. Okay, so for... The thing which you said just right now, for strong passwords, you can use like tools like um, which creates password for you and it also gives you a um, short form of it, of how you can remember those passwords. Right. So you can use tools like that. <laughs> you can just remember a sentence and just take the first letters of it and write a unique password. 
And of course, there are software programs that can independently store your passwords for you. And yes, of course. Sorry to be so rude. Back to your uh, Cyber Hygiene 101. What else is on your list? So yes, um, other thing is that you should always keep your softwares and devices updated. So they should be updated. And also, you should be aware of your surroundings and environment. For instance, um, if you're at the cafe, and you leave your laptop and go to grab coffee, make sure you lock your computer or take it with you. And last thing I would say is you need to be wary of any phishing emails or scam emails because that is the first point of where the attackers try to approach you. Do you think that we're a little bit too casual in Australia about this and that's largely a reflection of our way of life here that we don't take it seriously enough? Maybe, but the only thing is if you just try to be more careful in identifying, for example, if in email, if you try to check if the sender's name is trusted or if the person, it is um, appointed to a deal, for example, if it says, dear customers, it is not just for you, it can go to anyone. It should say, dear Trevor. Yes, but we see that cyber criminals are getting more and more clever and they're copying corporate branded logos and, and embedding them in the emails. And, and unfortunately, unwary people are, are clicking on those emails and being hacked. So again, it's not always so easy to detect that. Yes, it is not. That's why uh, during my project, we used to run phishing campaigns where I tried to create a similar email for example, if it's Netflix, I'll try to create an email which has Netflix logo and all the information and try to lure them to clicking into the links. Yeah. I love it how I get emails from organisations that I've never ever registered for and suddenly they're asking me to, uh, to check my details about my account. It's like, really? Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me how many people would still click on those links even if they'd never ever registered with them. There is one thing that you raised in terms of your cyber hygiene, I'm going to have to remember that term, and that is not to discuss sensitive topics in public places. Are you about to tell me that our smart devices are eavesdropping our very conversation? Um, yes, so now the technology has become very advanced that um, you need to be careful of what you speak in public, um, especially... Uh, stuff like your passwords or your bank details and stuff, the credit card information. Yes, you need to be careful when you share your information. <laughs> now, only a few moments ago, your phone went off. I think an iPhone. It was Siri asking you, I don't understand that question. I'm thinking like, wow, so the cybersecurity expert is being bugged by her own phone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so you need to be careful. <laughs> So it could happen to anyone, yes. even someone like you. Okay, so um, tell me, what's the best thing about working for Queensland airports and based at Gold Coast Airport? What have you enjoyed most out of that experience? Um, I really enjoy working at Queensland airports because my team, my managers are really supportive and encouraging. They are always encouraging me to grow in my career and look for more opportunities do you th think that there's, and this has been an issue in the past, but it may well be changing now, that there aren't enough females working in your field at this point in time? Yes, yeah, so I saw that during my studies at the university, that there were a few courses where it was just me and everybody else were like male. Oh, did that feel weird? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but I got used to it. <laughs> 
But is it starting to change now, do you think? It is starting to change. Um, now we can see that females are as everywhere as male are. And um, even at a call, um, there are, it's like equal number of ratio, you know. Okay, so it's a fairly even gender balance at, at Queensland airports. Why do you think that it's been so male-dominated in the past? Why have females not been attracted to this sector as much in the past? It could be because sometimes, uh, like I've heard uh, back in India that females, like my friends, they're not so into technology. They're more into other fields like designing or nursing and stuff. But now they have started to get more interest maybe in technology. As technology becomes more pervasive in our everyday lives, maybe more females are becoming increasingly interested in it, yeah. What about the Gold Coast then? You've been living here for and working here now for a while. You've studied here, you've done your bachelor's degree here, so you've spent some time here. One of the things that Gold Coast educators like to think is that international students feel as though this is their second home. Does this feel like your second home to you? It definitely feels like my second home. Um, I really like Gold Coast because it has a diverse culture and there are many opportunities for me to grow into or change my careers and also um, even the cost of living that is uh, traveling and accommodation is affordable what about the size of the city because you come from a city of almost two million people and now you're in a city that's about a quarter maybe a third because then we've got about six hundred thousand so where you are now is about a third of the size of, of rajkot so did you find that transition a little strange or have you enjoyed it? I don't feel strange at all. Like I feel Gold Coast almost like Rajkot. It is not populated and even Rajkot is not that populated. Not by Indian standards certainly, yeah. 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 So I checked uh, other cities like Sydney, Melbourne and I felt they are quite a busy cities. And also another thing I love about Gold Coast it, is that it has beautiful beaches. <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> Everyone loves the beautiful beaches. But yeah, the food is good here too. And some Aussies are surprised by how good the cuisine is here. Yeah. Would you like to continue working on the Gold Coast for some time yet? You talked about how much you miss your sister and your family and aspects of Indian life. But at the same time, you've come to enjoy living here. Would you like to stay and work here longer? Um, yes. I'm really looking forward to live here and work here. Um, because I like how I can balance my like study and work here, um, I can have a relaxing life and work as well. So that's quite interesting here, whereas in India I feel it's like really busy all the time. It's a more frenetic pace, even in Rajkot. It yeah. is. Um, and also working here is really interesting because you, uh, I can spend my own time in interesting way where I can grow and I like the work culture here more. Have your parents and your sister come to visit you here? Uh, yes, so um, all, all of them have come here but at different time. So yeah, they stayed for like more than a month. Yeah, and did they enjoy it? They loved it. Um, so we went to all touristy places. <laughs> you had to be their tour guide. Yeah, so we went to theme parks, Caribbean Wildlife Century. I suppose it's important for your parents to know to, to get a better sense of, of what your life is like here. Yes, so uh, they like where I live and how secure this is. That's what they were happy with. 
Well, for someone uh, in cybersecurity, that's very reassuring to know. <laughs> what about your ultimate dream job? What would that be, Rachna? I have in my mind a few roles, but I can't definitely say that this is my title. But I'm sure that I really want to grow my career in cybersecurity. And I have a pathway for it. So my next role, which I'm planning to go for, is cybersecurity analyst. And also, along with that, I want to do more IT security courses and training. Uh, well, you're in a field where knowledge will be forever needing to update as technology increases. So I think it's going to be a lifelong career of learning for you in this field. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and just for the rest of us trying to keep up with you. <laughs> With her career in IT well underway, Rachna feels more than comfortable in her new home on the Gold Coast. But as always, there's a trade-off in missing your family and friends who are halfway across the world. At least in Rachna's case, her job at Gold Coast Airport gives her immediate access to a plane ride home. Now she just has to wait for the COVID travel restrictions to ease. Rachna's journey is one of just many from within the Gold Coast International student community. If you'd like to explore some of the others, you'll find them at www.studygoldcoast.org.au slash podcast. My name is Trevor Jackson, and I'll catch you next time for Tomorrow Is Mine.